We have been studying through a series about the person, work, and power of the Holy Spirit. And last week, if you missed any of these messages, you can go back and watch them on our website, epag.church. You can download the epag app on your smart device. But last week, we ended with this idea of the overflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That as He's at work in our hearts, as He's at work in our lives, as we're walking with the Lord in relationship with Him, there is this overflow that takes place in our lives. The work of the Holy Spirit is in us and is for the purpose of us becoming more like Christ. But in becoming more like Christ, we then are to live as Christ lived and showed us and wants us to live. And that means that the overflow of the Holy Spirit will not just be in our lives, but it will flow into the lives of the people around us. It should be what happens. There should be a spillover taking place. So there's a question that we ask on the front end of this conversation today, and that is this, what is spilling out of our lives? What's spilling out of our lives? When we're bumped, when we're pressured, when we're going about our day-to-day lives, what is spilling out of our lives? When people see us, when people hear us, when people are paying attention to our lives, whether we recognize it or not, what is their experience? Now, our, our main text today from Galatians 5, that where we started, told us that the Holy Spirit at work in our lives will produce fruit, that you can't walk with God and stay the same, but God's going to continue to transform your life, and there's going to be growth happening, and that growth is going to be shown by the characteristics of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. By the help of the Holy Spirit, we should be initiators of right actions and not reactors or even copycats of the wrong actions. I think about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer checks the temperature and can tell you the temperature in the room. A thermostat sets the temperature. And there are plenty of thermometers in our world, plenty of people who can tell you the temperature of the world and all the problems of the world, but they're not doing anything to be part of the solution. A thermostat, we can be thermostats who instead help set the temperature, who instead make a difference in our world. And can I just suggest to you today, it doesn't take much to be different these days. Really. In a world that is full of hatred and divide, someone who is living with the work of the Holy Spirit going on in their lives, someone who is living with this overflow of the Spirit in their lives is going to stand out pretty quickly. Someone who displays love in a world of hate, someone who's considerate of other people and their needs and not just selfish in everything they do, that person's going to stand out. Would you agree? We're talking today about, specifically, about kindness. And we set our hearts towards that theme because we know that in just a couple of short weeks, our kids are going to be learning at VBX about kindness. So we want to set our hearts that direction that we might live the way Jesus wants us to live as well. Galatians 5 suggests that kindness is a fruit or a product of a Spirit-filled life. And if we were to define kindness today... We'll do it this way. True and active consideration for other people. Not wanting to hurt anyone or to cause anyone pain. True and active consideration for others. I like both of those descriptions. True and active. Rightly motivated and intentional consideration for other people. 
The Scriptures teach us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, that we are to be kind and compassionate to one another. That we're to be forgiving of each other, even just as Christ, God, forgave us. Just as in Christ, God forgave us. Now, Ephesians was written to a group of believers at Ephesus. And it's easy to grasp for us today how important it was and now is for believers to be kind and loving towards each other. Jesus said in John 13, 35, people will recognize that you are my disciples. Everyone will know that you are my disciples by your political affiliation. Nope. Everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. The world should see difference from within the body of Christ. The way we live as followers of Jesus and our interactions with one another should cause other people to see differently what's going on in our lives and want to experience the same love. It should be different compared to the world around. It's one thing for people who are not saved, for people who are not following Jesus, to act with anger and to act in knee-jerk ways and, and to come, come blowing out at other people and have really bad attitudes. But Christ's followers should be different. should be different. People should want to experience what they see in and through us. And i got to tell you, that hadn't always been the case. In recent years, when many different things have been talked about and debated, many Christ followers haven't looked any different from the world around them. Christ followers have seemed to be more adamant about the donkey or the elephant than they are about telling the world about the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb who died on the cross. Christ followers have publicly fought over strips of cloth and needle pokes. Christ followers have seemingly been at times more concerned with American values than they are with God's kingdom values and at times have gone too far to try to equate the two as one. Christ followers have used social media to argue their point while actually giving a bad representation of Jesus and pushing people away. Could it be that while I understand there are some people who may have a victim mentality or may be walking in an attitude of offense, could it be that there have truly been some interactions with Christ followers through the years that have actually pushed people further away from God rather than drawing people towards God. I understand there are many things worth holding on to. There are many things worth defending. I understand the concerns that can be raised in many hearts and many minds. It's natural to have strong opinions. It's even natural to want to take a strong stance based on scriptural facts. But it is possible for a person or people to think the right things and communicate them with the wrong attitude. I'll say that again. It is possible to have the right things in mind, but to communicate it with the wrong attitude in the wrong spirit. We're supposed to be loving towards one another in a way of pointing people to Christ. When they see us, they see the love of Christ at work between Christ's followers. But it's not only important that we show kindness to each other's Christ followers, it's also important that we act in kindness towards the world around us, no matter who the person is. Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If you study and understand salt and the uses and benefits of salt, then you know that first, salt enhances the flavor of food. Jesus' followers should enhance or influence the culture around them. Salt preserves. Christ's followers should preserve the truth, hold on to the truth tightly, and proclaim that truth to the world around them. Salt creates thirst. How many of you like good Chinese food? I had some fantastic Chinese food on Thursday, and then I think I had leftover again yesterday. Anyway, uh, Chinese food is delicious, but it's salty, often very salty. And if you're like me and you use soy sauce on your Chinese food, it's liquid salt, basically. And if you read the bottle, it's more salt than you can intake probably in your whole day with other foods. When I eat Chinese food, I have to drink a lot of water because it makes me thirsty, And in reality, the lives of Jesus' followers should create a thirst for the things of God from other people. We should create in some way, and I know some people get nervous with this word, but we should live in such a way that it creates an attraction to the things of God, that it creates an attraction to want to know this Savior that we know. Salt has healing properties. Maybe you grew up like I did in a, in a home where Epsom salts was a real thing. And you would, if you had a foot issue, you would put your feet in a warm Epsom salt bath. Or some people even bathe in Epsom salts. You don't have to tell your story today, but it's, it's true. Some people do. Jesus' followers should be the people who help to bring spiritual, physical, and emotional healing to the world. We are the agents of Christ to the world today. That's why in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So we're not just talking about how we act towards one another as Christ followers, but we're also talking about people who aren't a part of the family of God, who aren't part of the kingdom of God. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians chapter 5 echoes the same thought, verses 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I remember hearing a man tell the story of uh, being in school, in college. And many of you probably had moments in school or in college or even in seminary that you interacted with a lot of people and you just went about your day-to-day business. You had this close group of friends that you knew really well. You knew their life and they knew yours. But perhaps you, you had other people, you, you knew who they were, but not necessarily everything about them. They were more acquaintances. And I remember this guy telling the story that years later, he runs into someone who went to the same college as he did. And and in college, uh, they had interacted, but very briefly, didn't know each other. And decades later, this person could remember how they were treated in a cafeteria line while they were in college together. 
I think we often bypass those small moments as being insignificant. I think we often think that the Holy Spirit can only work in these magnanimous moments where we're just overwhelmed by the goosebumps and the sensation of being in the presence of God. But we, we miss, as Christ's followers who are full of the power of the Holy Spirit, how often the Holy Spirit can be at work even in the smallest of details. You were kind to let someone else have that parking spot. You were kind to let someone in line. You were kind enough to show that action towards someone, that love towards someone maybe in need. That goes a long way that people, years later, you may not have even recognized it, but years later, people saw and experienced that action. We don't often realize how one moment, one interaction can affect others' perception of Christ and their perception of Christ's followers. One moment of kindness, one action, one smile can leave a lasting impression that speaks positively about Christ and Christ's followers. Kindness, I firmly believe, can open the door to the possibility of someone listening to what a Christ follower even has to say. They see a difference, they experience a difference, and then they want to know what is it really all about. What if the responsiveness of many people, particularly to the gospel, is directly related to the kindness they experience from Christ's followers. I understand that some people are offended by the gospel. Jesus said there would be people that way. They would hate us simply because we follow Christ. But what if, in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day actions, the overflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives causes us to live in such a way that our actions towards others actually affect them being receptive to the gospel. Kindness. True and active consideration for other people. You can't talk about kindness without talking about God Himself. Jesus Himself inconvenienced his personal comfort and took the initiative to take intentional action so that we would have the way to salvation. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul writes, verses 5 through 8, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ." who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't do what he did because it was easy. Jesus didn't do what He did because it was pain-free. Jesus didn't do what He did because it was convenient. Jesus did what He did because He was considerate about where we were and what we needed to be in relationship with God. That's why it's attributed to Gandhi of saying, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Oh, that we would be like Jesus. 
that we would be a people who are willing to experience inconvenience. We would even inconvenience ourselves intentionally to make a difference in someone else's life. That we would be willing to be in uncomfortable moments in order to make a difference in someone else's life. That we would take the initiative to take intentional action to help people where they are with the kindness and love of God. Jesus gave everything, including Himself, so that others might be helped. Listen to me, being kind isn't always convenient, but being kind is always Christ-like. Always Christ-like. When you think of the narratives of Scripture, you can't talk about kindness without thinking about the man known as the Good Samaritan in this parable that Jesus told. The Good Samaritan is a term that's so well known in our world today that many people have used, it, used that terminology to describe a person who's gone out of their way to help someone else. Businesses and organizations have used that name to describe their work as, as a goal to help people or even animals. Now there's a lot that could be unpacked in Luke chapter 10, but I'll simplify it in this way for the sake of time today. A man was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. Two religious, spiritual, should-be godly people saw the man, knew the need, and passed by on the other side of the road rather than doing anything to help him. But a good Samaritan, which the language of good and Samaritan to Jewish people was totally contradicting. They considered Samaritans a half-breed, less than than what the Jewish people were. But a good Samaritan comes along, sees the need, sees the man, and does something to help him. When we think about the story of the good Samaritan, we think about the fact he cleaned and bandaged his wounds... He took him on his own donkey to a place to stay. He paid the price for the stay and even paid two days worth of wages and promised to reimburse any additional extra expense. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us that this man was just rolling in the dough. Scripture doesn't tell us that this man had nothing else better to do. Scripture simply teaches us that this man saw the need and did something about it. The good, good Samaritan didn't even act because he knew the person, but because he knew there was a need. And I would pray that Christ's followers would be in such a place of compassion, just like Jesus was. Repeatedly in the Gospels, Scripture teaches us that Jesus in His earthly ministry would see people in need and He would be moved with compassion, that literally the innermost being would be compelled not just to see the need, but to do something about it. That's why He fed 5,000 people. That's why He delivered people from demonic possession. That's why Jesus went about doing good and doing all of these things in His earthly ministry. He did it not just to display His power, but He did it because He had compassion on the people around them. Even when Jesus could have wanted to sleep, even when the disciples were tired, even when it would have been easy to go away to a secluded place, Jesus had compassion on the people around Him. And the Bible says that out of compassion, He took action. And I would suggest to you today that kindness is more than just sympathy or pity or even empathy. Kindness flows from a place of compassion when we take action to show the love of Christ to other people. And it can, be, it can feel really random, but it can be a very intentional act towards a stranger. Whether we know someone or not shouldn't be the determining factor of kindness. 
When we're Jesus followers, living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit, kindness flows. Kindness is a characteristic of our lives because we're living like Christ. The Holy Spirit is helping us to live like Him. We can be kind with the people around us because we value them. We recognize that God values every person we interact with, and so we value them as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves or put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds like to me, God intends for us to have a lot of flexibility and availability when it comes to ministering to other people. God intends for us to have a lot of flexibility and a lot of availability when it comes to helping other people. Then when we were living in our own way, before we were in the family of God, we were living for ourselves. We were living focused on what matters to us. We're looking out for old number one. But when we come into the family of God, we have taken off the old way. We've been changed and now we're putting on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And the Holy Spirit is helping us instead of living selfishly to consider the needs of people around us. Every one of us probably in this room could tell the story of at some point in our lives we were in need and somebody did something to help us. Could have been big or small in your mind, but they were faithful to show kindness in a moment of need. The consideration and tenderness of heart should lead us to a place of compassion and action. It's not enough for us to just see it. God wants us to do something about it. How can we show kindness through our actions? In fact, today I'd love for you to take a moment and consider that with me. How can we live this out? How can we show kindness through our actions? I would even encourage you today to show kindness to the people you know within your own home. How can you show kindness to your spouse, to your children? How can you show kindness to the people you're around every day, your coworkers? How can you show kindness to people who are in need? To children who are part of broken homes and broken families and today they, they're feeling all alone. Maybe they are even orphans. How can we show kindness to children and broken families? How can we show kindness to families with special needs? How can we show kindness to strangers? How in our daily lives and in our daily need to get things done can we slow down enough or be less busy enough to be able to pay attention to the people around us and trust that in any given moment the Holy Spirit can work through us to help someone else? Now let me, let me stand on a pet peeve for just a moment when it comes to being intentional to show kindness to strangers. You can do that in a lot of different ways. You can even go to a store and buy a gift bag and assemble some great gifts and and give them to people just randomly. People like to get gifts. So getting a random gift from someone would go a long way. Don't be creepy about it, but it would go a long way. 
But let me give you a couple of real life examples. When you're in the drive-thru and the fast food's not fast enough and you're tempted to get upset at the person at the window because you feel like they're not respecting your time. Perhaps it has nothing to do with the person at the window. Perhaps even if it did, you could still be kind to them. Perhaps you could be kind to the people who are serving your table in a restaurant. It's broke, broke my heart for years that when you talk to those who serve in local restaurants, they hate serving people on Sundays. Do you know that? They hate serving people on Sundays because they will tell you that church folks are some of the most rude people and the worst tippers. Do better. <laughs> Be kind. Represent Christ. Represent your local church. And if you're in the parking lot and you've used a cart at the grocery store, put it up. You want to take a practical step of being kind? Put the cart up. Take it back. I don't want a dent in my truck. The wind blows in Minnesota. Please, put it up. Be considerate. Be kind. Because somebody's got to come out and do all of the work of collecting all of those carts. Or as we call them in the South, buggies. Somebody's got to collect those. Somebody's got to do something with that. Well, they're paid to do that job. Does that mean you get to be a jerk? Does that mean you can be hateful just because they're paid to do the job? Put yourself in the shoes of anyone that you could interact with and you begin to realize kindness goes a long way. It really, really does. Maybe you would add a lot of different things. Here's what I know ultimately. As we walk with God and we invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives, we grow to be more attentive and more kind to the world around us. I don't think you can be full of the Holy Spirit and be ignorant of the world around you. Because as we walk with God, the Holy Spirit is continuing to change our lives and open our eyes. It's almost like at times before we're part of the family of God or before we're understanding this life in the Spirit, we, we have scales. We get so focused on our to-do list and our agenda and we've got so many things on the list that we've got to be busy and we don't have time for all these other things. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit and God is working in your heart, He's opening your eyes and the people you used to walk past, now you see. The people you used to ignore, now you can't ignore anymore because God's laying a burden on your heart to say there are people in need. What can you do to help meet the need? It's the opportunity when you're going about your day and all of a sudden, somebody catches your eye and you feel compelled to do something to be kind. I'll never forget when I was a kid. We were standing in a grocery line. I, my mom often did most of the grocery shopping, and so I was with my mom. And I'll never forget, I can vividly see this to this day. 
There was a guy behind us. And, and, and I know there could be a lot of different stories to this, so I'm aware that maybe it wasn't what it seemed, but when I look back as a kid, I remember seeing this man having one, maybe two items laying on the conveyor belt to take it to the register. And in his hand was change. And it could have been that he just wanted to use change in his pocket. I understand that. But in that moment, I, was, I became more aware that I never had to worry about putting food on the table. I never had to worry about if there was going to be a meal to eat. Didn't have to worry if there was going to be a bed to sleep in. But it was possible that I was near someone who had to think about how they were going to pay for something they needed. To this day, to be honest with you, I wish I would have done more to help that man. I was a kid. But I can tell you that since then, there have been many different moments. And I can't tell you that every one of the people along the way have always done the right thing. There are going to be moments where you're kind to people and, and, and they take advantage of that. But I would rather stand before God and know that I've been obedient to be kind than to stand before God and say, I saw the need, I saw people, and I did nothing about it. How can we be kind to others through our actions? Would you stand with me today all across the room? If you're online, I trust that you will take a moment to respond with us as well. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I've mentioned many times I do this not in ritual, but more that you're able to pay attention to what the Spirit of God might say to you in this moment. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this? First of all, I want to say to you in the room and to you online, we can't talk about the kindness of God or kindness of God we being kind to other people in our lives without talking about the kindness of God and how He was kind enough that as the Creator of the universe with all power and all knowledge, as the one who holds everything in His hands and causes it all to function the way that it does, the reality that He loved us enough that He gave His Son. That in our sin with no hope on our own of being able to achieve a level that would match up to God's standard, God said, I love you enough, I will give my only son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Jesus took our place and our pain and the punishment that we deserved so that we could have life. We could be forgiven and free. So today, my first call for you is that if you've never experienced the loving kindness of God, who is patient and desiring that none would perish, that none would be distant from God, but that everyone would know Him. Today, I want to invite you to pray, to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, to believe in Jesus and His finished work and to confess Him as Savior and Lord of your life and learn a new way of living. I'm going to ask those that are in the room today that are available to pray with others, would you make your way into this 
area of the auditorium on either side. There are people today that will pray with you, that will point you towards Jesus, and that will pray with you to even accept what He's done for you, to accept Him in your life. He's King. It's a matter of, is He King of your life? He wants to show you a love that you've never known and that you could never experience in this world. And He's proven it through Jesus. I want all of us who, maybe we're already Christ followers, but today we're saying, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want to live in the overflow. We want to be kind to the people around us through our actions. Would you join me in praying today that we would be more like Christ, full of the Holy Spirit and living in a way that is kind to the world around us? Would you join me in praying? And if you want to lift your hands, feel free and invite the Lord to work in your heart. God, I ask you today to help me to be attentive to the people around me more than ever. Help us, Lord, to be willing to uh, inconvenience ourselves in order that someone else might know your love. Help us, Lord, to have eyes to see people around us. That it's not just a figure walking past us, but, Lord, it's a soul that you care about. I pray, give us even ideas. Give us, give us ways of taking action and showing kindness to the people around us. Open our eyes to the needs that we can help be a part of the solution to meet them. Help us to be like you. And today, God, in this moment, and even in the moments ahead for the rest of the day, even as maybe we move from this place and interact with some of the various types of people we've talked about today, help us to be a kind representation of you, Jesus, and of what you want your church to be. Help us to communicate in such a way with others that the love of God is evident. Help us, O oh God, to be clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, patience. We want to be like you. Today I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to challenge you to take a few moments and consider the ways that you can show kindness to the people around you. In, at home, at work, in your neighborhood, the, the people who are in need in our communities, even the strangers you will interact with today. Take some time to consider how you can show kindness to them. And remember that if you have needs or you'd like someone to pray with you, there are people available to do that. Father, would you bless and keep this people? Would you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? May your countenance ever be turned their direction and grant them your peace. I pray as we go from this moment and this place that we will walk with the love of God through our lives and we will act in ways that are kind towards others. Help us to truly live like you. We thank you for the opportunities that are before us today. In Jesus' name, amen.